0: You're listening to The Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader. This podcast is brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly
1: owned division of 12th Man Solutions Limited.
0: Hi there and welcome to episode 42 of The Exhibitionist Podcast. Welcome back this week. How are you doing? It is creeping ever closer to Christmas, so we hope now that the shops are open again, you're able to get out there and support your local high street and i our- starting to enjoy some of the Christmas preparations although they will be slightly unusual this year. Very shortly I am going to hand over to our conversation with Zoe Lacey Cooper Um, now Zoe was involved this year in moving very quickly her event from uh, live to virtual from offline to on and we've heard so much about virtual events this year so it's great speaking to Zoe about her experiences and what she learned through that process. But before, before we get into that conversation, what else could I be talking about this week apart from the launch of the brilliant We Create Experiences campaign by One Industry, One Voice? You may have seen this launch on Monday, and it's the coalition of all of the event industries coming together to try and powerfully influence all of those businesses that would usually book events to keep doing that in 2021. We know our industry within the exhibitions arena have been absolutely fantastic in lobbying the government, in pulling together those measures that will help exhibitions open safely and to demonstrate that we can open them safely. But actually, the total event industry in the UK is much more powerful when we all speak as one voice and with an £84 billion impact on the economy every year, pulling together music, sporting events, show business, weddings, festivals... All of those different industries that actually many of us work across, we have a much stronger and much more powerful voice. So they've been doing some great work over the the summer in, in pulling together that really clear and concise communication on behalf of all of us as to how we feel we can open up the industry again safely. And that's one job in terms of lobbying government. Great job done. The other job we have to do is inspire confidence in both businesses and visitors to come back to those events and put them on. So really the campaign that they have launched this week is is about exactly that. It's about saying to businesses, if you used to run consumer events, if you used to go to exhibitions, if you used to put on festivals, keep doing that in 2021. We are confident that we can do this safely, that we can get people back. And with a vaccine on the horizon, we have even more reason for optimism than ever before. Some research that they have uh, released this week as part of this campaign had a couple of really interesting statistics in. Uh, One of those was that 75% of decision makers believe that the closure of events in 2020 has had a negative impact on their ability to market And actually, we think about that in terms of exhibitions that businesses haven't been able to meet and network with customers. But think of all the other sponsorship and advertising and hospitality opportunities that just aren't there at the moment because festivals aren't happening, because music events aren't happening, because fans can't go to sporting arenas. And all of our ability to market and to recover and move forward from what has been a really tough and challenging year is really impacted on because we just don't have those opportunities anymore. What they also found was that 96% of business leaders that responded to their survey said that events added value to their business, whether that's about staff well-being and morale, internal communications, whether it's about actually upskilling their teams and being able to grow and develop their own people. Of course, it has a uh, impact on the bottom line and revenue, which is what we're all looking for in business. But some really positive results that they found and a really fantastic campaign. It is backed by a whole host of celebrities who are involved in the event industry. People like Tom Kerridge, Johnny Wilkinson, Claire Balding, but also people like Claire Roney from Macmillan, who actually talks about the charity impact because they can't have events and that has had a substantial impact on their ability to operate. So a really, really great campaign. You can find it at One Industry, One Voice and you can find it all over Exhibition News, and. Um, exhibition world all of the different titles and publications in the industry just go and have a look at what they're doing and if you can just share it shout about it and tag people in it and let's get those businesses that would usually interact with events back and booking us all to work with them in 2021 because it's looking like it's going to be a really really busy year so great news to open the show with this week I'm now going to hand over to our conversation with Zoe and hope you enjoy the chat so on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, I am very excited and energized actually to be speaking to Zoe Lacey-Cooper. Now Zoe is the Portfolio and Events Director for Diversified Communications with specific responsibility for the Accountex events. But Zoe is also a founding member of Women in the Exhibitions Network and a judge for the AEO and Exhibition News Awards and Accountants Awards. So welcome to the show, Zoe, but do you ever sleep? <laughs>
1: of course not I have children. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a very busy woman. Oh I like to keep busy we have to in these times it takes my mind off everything else that's going on in the world. Absolutely absolutely so Zoe welcome to the
0: show it is brilliant to have you here thank you for your time so um, for our listeners that don't know you do you want to
1: just give us a little bit of background and uh, about your experience and your current role? So as you said I'm portfolio director of the Accountex Portfolio and uh, we do uh, it's B2B accountancy bits and pieces, and I say countancy and straight away people go, oh, um, actually it's a really, really interesting environment I work in, it's a very progressive industry full of um, very progressive entrepreneurs, it's all about tech, Nicola, so it's all about you know, artificial intelligence, software, technology... Um, you know they are a pretty forward-thinking profession I, it, it, we don't give them enough credit actually so although I say account tax and people just go a bit like um, it's actually a really really interesting industry to work in so I'm currently managing the account tax portfolio on that covering anything from live virtual news content that kind of thing um, I have been very lucky to work in media for tw- over 20 years now so I've done over 10 different industry sectors ranging from nutraceuticals to natural products, to ski shows and outdoor shows. And I've done so many different industries Um, and I've settled at the moment into the accountancy profession, which I absolutely love.
0: Brilliant, it sounds good. And I think it's really interesting to hear from you that. I think the natural reaction to a accountancy might be, oh, really? But to hear that it is that kind of progressive tech and you're, you're certainly energised by it, that comes across. Um, yeah.
1: Probably a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to do natural, uh, natural products and organic food in Sweden. I mean, you don't get more sexy than that. That's a real sexy, tangible product. And then you go from that to accounting and calculators and things. But actually, no, it's, um, it's, I work with some of the most forward thinking influencers and gurus and I'm just inspired every day by these people. Um, so yeah, quite lucky, quite enjoy it. It's so good to hear. And um, we were just chatting before we we started
0: the, the recording, but 2020 has been an incredibly challenging year all around. So how have you been coping with the last few months, both professionally and personally? How's how's things been in your world?
1: Well, I think everyone's world has kind of tumbled down around them. But um, I have um two very young children. Um I had a one year old when it was all happening, so you can imagine how that was working out when I have a school, year, a, a child at school and a, a little one-year-old as well. Um, but with accounting, uh, Account Texas is kind of a large live event that we run. Um, so I kind of went back to my roots. Um, so I don't know if you know this, Nicola, but about 10 years ago, I used to actually run virtual events for the nutraceutical industry. So it's really interesting because I had kind of left those days behind me. That was like, do you remember that about 10 years ago, everyone was like, this is the future, you know, this whole SimCity thing going yeah. on. Um, And um, I was, um, I ended up taking, instead of this virtual events job at UBM, I took the job at Diversified. So that's where my career just kind of split. And then I was kind of catapulted back in. So I'm like, I think we just might need to think about how this is going to work virtually and kind of dug out all my old records and all the technology we used to use. And the funny thing is, is I just think we are placed now where we were then, kind of not really keen on it. Um, I've had loads of webinars with all the like, other event directors on, you know, what we should be doing, how we run it. Do we do the, the virtual exhibition hall thing? And I still don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of that's that's where it's quite interesting.
0: So we know from what um, you been saying that your your background, you were virtual and then kind of went off into uh, a, a, on a different path and, and did live. And then beginning of this year, started to think, actually, we might need to bring this back to virtual. So, yeah. how did you even start thinking about what can we do virtually? Tell me a little bit more about the process that you went through and what you were hoping to deliver in taking Accountates Virtual.
1: Well, again, I keep saying to you, I work with some incredible um, exhibitors who are in the technology field. So, I work with some very young, they're all young as well, like they're all in their 30s, really young people, writing code, developing software. And I do and speak to these people for every single day. And I had a call with one of my exhibitors actually, um, a young, a young global influencer guy who does all this technology stuff and said, well, why don't we collaborate? Let's work with an association, work with an exhibitor, let's work with you, let's bring our communities together and let's collaborate and put something together that won't be commercial. We'll just put some content together, make it really simple and just serve the community the best way we can. And it was as simple as that. So the, um, the technology guys put together all the platforms. So they used a platform called Hey Summit, which is a really easy registration Um, You could kind of put your speaker information in. Then you had us that did the marketing and had all the leads. And then you had the association, again, who had the kind of scope to promote it out and help us put the programme together. And we created overnight a big beast that we had no idea that we were going to do so. Um, So we had a five-week lead time. We had no idea how it was going to happen. We said that you could um, upgrade for, I think it was like £10. You could upgrade to have recordings after the show and all... Everything that we raised was donated to charity. So it was the NHS charity, which is really timey with what was going on in the NHS during that, I was back in May. And um, we ended up with 16,000 people register. We raised £45,000 for the NHS. And um, it was deemed quite a success, actually. Um, it, it kind of laid the land for us to look at going global, um, running these things as a hybrid alongside live um working with our exhibitors to maybe do like theme days it's just opened up a really but because we did it non-commercial because we did it free because we were offering like the, the charity element it gave us the opportunity to just trial it out so if anything went wrong or anything did it go quite right while we were finding our feet it was really good that everyone just kind of understood that there was nothing commercial we were just doing it for our community um, and we we're really pleased with the results it's amazing just picking up on
0: some of the numbers that you shared there just in case our listeners didn't catch those that was 16,000 people registered and 45,000 pounds raised for the NHS so just phenomenal numbers in, in the context of what was going on in the world at the time. so congratulations to you and your team that's, that's absolutely brilliant and I just wanted to pick up on um, that event in itself was it mainly content driven or was there an opportunity for exhibitors and visitors to Um, engage with each other or was it purely kind of a platform
1: for content we serve a really content heavy industry because it's all about um, regulation tax you know every you know the the accountants are very busy right now advising small business owners on how to survive through this so it was very very content led um with obviously government guidance from hMRC so all content um we had some of our top big players speak uh, mutual benefit because they bring in a crowd, but also because they they invested a lot in our live events. Kind of wanted to give something back for free, but um, no, there was there was no sponsors, there was no um, kind of breakout sessions or anything like that. It was all purely content. And just so you can kind of visualise how it worked, it was a two day event, uh, and we ran three streams every hour on the hour. So kind of visualise that like three theatres yeah. running a session every hour on the hour bit of a big one lessons learned way too much for us to deal with right. we did it just about um, and it was as simple as that it was literally just zoom calls every hour on the hour and it was a sim- it was just as simple as that um, we had you know polls involved we had q a at the end um but people just seemed really happy with that real simple element um having the interactions with q a really really simple quite happy with that um now we're running it the second time now so we're running it in November. And this time it is commercial. We do have sponsors. Um, we're running it, so it's a bit more manageable in terms of content. But um, it's a different ball game because we're having we're trying to fight the fires in terms of understanding the GDPR regulations. Um, again, we work with some very big corporations who exhibit and sponsor. They have internal legal teams who go through and, and make us sign all these T's and C's just. For the gdpr element alone um so it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a big beast to, yeah. to try and work through um and also be fair to the A's people as well you know you've got 250 exhibitors live in your live shows how do you then offer just 10 sponsorship opportunities on something virtual so we've had to be really considerate about how we do the offering how we've managed it in terms of who first in first out yeah. introducing yeah. mous first of all to sign an mou gets it basically Um, So it's a very different world from when we were doing it non-commercial to commercial. But again, we're learning lots of lessons.
0: Absolutely. And I think um, I was listening to um, Sophie Holt on the Event Marketers um, uh, podcast that that she did around the the research of, um, of how people are using virtual events. And I think it is that evolution that we've seen from very early on in the pandemic where people would just get it done. I think is a phrase that, that she used for those early virtual events. It's like, just do it, just get something online for, for our community. Let's not worry too much about the commercials. Let's just get something in the yeah. community. You've obviously taken the next step now from that, learned some lessons and said, right, how do we commercialize it? But then looking forward, I think people were talking about this live versus virtual, which one's gonna win? And we're seeing much more about hybrid and it's a phrase that you just mentioned. So where do you mm-hmm. see the next, evolution really for you in terms of bringing live and virtual together in a more hybrid type event for account
1: so i've seen lots of virtual um webinars i've been on a few panels myself and i think what we're trying i, I kind of see that we're all trying to put a badge on everything you know like, let's put a badge on this now and let's put a badge on what it'll look like in the future and we we're trying to do that 10 years ago and it never really kind of worked so i'm kind of doing it's all subjective to the industry you serve you just have to just don't see oh well they're doing it we should be doing it. You really have to just look at the community you serve. Is it content heavy? How, what kind of money have your sponsors got to sell as well? Um, and we work again. We're in a thriving industry that they have money and budgets and things like that. Um, it is content heavy. So I do serve an industry that ticks the right boxes. Sure. Um, but I also think about the other industries we do serve. You know, it diversified. We run you know hospitality events like lunch, um, commercial kitchen. Natural Products London you know how do we serve those communities that some of them aren't even working you know how do you reach out to them and again you've got people who were like let's do hybrid events it's like but think about the industry you serve is really subjective on, on what you should be doing and again my MD Carson is really really good and mindful of just not putting pressure on those where they they's like oh well, look at account x you know but mm. he's very mindful of that we all serve different industries and we have to react differently I mean, for us, AccountX alone. I think. Well, I'm taking it globally, which is a whole other subject we can talk about another time. But um, we run um, again. I'm just sort of just like let's run one in South Africa. Let's just see what happens. Um, Did a one day a few sessions, bit of content. Um, I'm introducing myself to a new ecosystem in a different country. It was very successful, non-commercial, and we're rolling that out. So the future for what I'm doing in my world right now is kind of global. We want to take the account brand global. We can do that very easily through virtual, um, establish our connections with the ecosystem and, and the, the associations to, the, to then maybe consider maybe doing live when we're in a position to do so. Um, so that's my little world. I just wish I could add a badge on it for the, everybody else, but it's a bit hard, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think you make such a crucial point there that people are automatically assuming that if my event can't go ahead, then virtual is definitely the answer. And I need to be badger as an exhibitor. I need to be badgering my event organizers to go virtual to go. But actually, we know that people who are going to a virtual event are there for content. They're not really there to talk to exhibitors. They're there to learn and develop and pick information up, which, as you say, for your industry is perfect. That works brilliantly. The food and drink where you want people to taste and feel and touch and smell and see something being cooked it's really hard to bring to life through a screen and it's probably not the right so don't naturally jump to virtual is going to be the right in every in every situation but you talk mm-hmm. about those sponsors who um, are supporting you for your november event and it is commercial which is, is great um, how do they make the most of that sponsorship it, obviously you will offer them lots of value in terms of what you can give them but how are they preparing themselves to really get the most out of those sponsorships?
1: Well, again, the industry they're in, they, they also run their own events. They really get events and how they work. They, they're very clear on their objectives and what results they want. Um, you know, I do a lot of work in benchmarking at the moment because I know that my exhibitors will want to know to see the stats um, because you have a lot of people who have unrealistic expectations. Um, and actually, with virtual, they're, they're not the conversions are really low. They are very, very low. And once you understand that your conversions from registration to turning up on the day is pretty low, and there's not much you can do about it to change it, um, I think you can kind of move on and, and be a bit more realistic with what you're offering. Um, what they're doing, I mean, it's a real simple thing. I mean, some of them are just talking for an hour. They've got a webinar, and we've tied it in with the content, and they've got the branding and the sponsorship. But for them, a lot of it is data. So again, what we've done with GDPR is we obviously, because they are clearly sponsors, they can't have access to all registration data, Um, but there are ways of where they can have data from their session. You can do polls um, within the session to say, look, if you're interested, click yes. So then straight away, they've got their hot leads on the table there on the day. Then they have the leads from the people that are registered, and then they have the leads from the people that turned on up on the day. Um, and when they, if that's what they want as an objective, and that works really, really well in terms of data and then getting kind of like the hot leads that come through. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I mean, they're, they're very clear. They're, they're they're great to work with because they are very clear on how it all works. Yeah. Um, and they do they treat us as the unbiased. I mean, they run loads of their own webinars. They do them probably better than we do. Um, but we are the unbiased platform. And they utilize that in a way because they can't do that themselves. So yeah. I think that's where the benefit works.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned benchmark um, benchmarking, which would be, be great to pick up on, because I think um, we know from our experience, exhibitors aren't always brilliant at setting objectives and then measuring if they've delivered those objectives in a live environment. So when it comes to virtual, I can only imagine that there is even less chance of that happening. So what are you learning from the benchmarking work that you've been doing?
1: So I've, had, I've done some really good um, conversation with Ruth Carter, actually, um, where I've done some, like some top, top 10 tips on what to do for virtual. And the thing is, every month it changes. That's the funny thing. It keeps changing. So before lockdown, the best day to run a virtual conference was on a Tuesday. But now it's a Thursday and now it could be a Wednesday. So we don't actually know what day is best to run a virtual conference. Um and simple things like, you know, the best time of the day to do it, obviously 10 a.m. in the morning, but then you got virtual fatigue. Everyone does them at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, for example. Um, the most interesting thing i discovered, if I've got time to share it, is I think we're all obsessed about um, the conversion. So you get them to register, you get them on the day. We're all obsessed about the conversions and the numbers on the day. But what you actually probably need to do to actually increase that 34 to 30, 45% conversion rate Think right back to the, the element of registration, because actually your, your numbers start to diminish right from the point of marketing or launch. So you send out an email and you get them on your website and then you get uh, like 50 percent register or 50 percent don't. You've already lost 50 percent of your audience yeah. and they register and then you've got to try and get them there on the day. That's another 50 percent, 35 percent cut down. So it's just numbers that just completely go down consistently throughout the whole campaign. So what you have to do is think really carefully about what you do from that initial point of registration. How do you really get them to register and sign up? And When do you send out your registration or launch email? So timing, days, and, and that kind of point of action at point of registration is probably more important than right at the end when you're trying to get them to sign on on the day. Uh, and that is the most probably the the, the biggest lesson I've learned actually with all that benchmarking work I've done to be honest with you
0: and what do you think exhibitors can do to help get people to that event because it isn't the sole responsibility of an organizer to get people there we've said that whether it's live or virtual that those exhibitors should be working hard to get people there what what can they be doing
1: I did something really cheeky this time around (laughs) uh, actually so I said um, for the sponsors who are speaking I said right the rate is that but we will knock off uh 15 of the rate if you um if you guarantee a minimum of two email shots and two social media posts from us service so emails um because their their community is actually pretty big themselves so what we did is they we gave them the choice like we'll do all the marketing for you you don't have to do anything or save some money and do a little bit for us and then it's controlled and we are then reaching people that we've not of reached out to before as well so it's a bit of again a combination of bits and pieces but what we're essentially doing is we're getting them to promote it for us and um, on top of what we're doing Uh, and that actually has worked out quite well that business model
0: and it comes back to a word phrase you used right up at the beginning which was about collaboration and I think we still see whether it's live or whether it's virtual so many exhibitors saying, well I've paid the money to be there so the rest is up to you. I just turn up on the day with a pop-up banner and they will come. And it, it kind of doesn't work like that. All you're paying for is a space on the floor and, and a yeah. little bit of marketing. But if you genuinely believe that that event's worth investing in, then you should also invest the time to do the marketing to get the people there. And you don't need thousands of them. You probably need a few hundred good leads to make that show worthwhile. So. 100%. And
1: you know, some people do these webinars and they're like, oh, only, you know, only 100 people turn up that is amazing that's really good that's a real anything i mean your conversion rates again benchmarking coming up here but 34 to is it 34 to 45 percent are converted from registrations to on the day quite a low amount isn't it and then there's not much you can do to change that (laughs) You, you just can't there's not you can email them every day and and force them to log on if you want but you just can't that that is just what it is and that's why I keep talking about when you start the process and the campaign. That's why it's so important, because you can change that figure a little bit more.
0: And um, I might be putting you on the spot slightly here. So we'll um, so apologies for the pressure. But
1: have we got any sense
0: yet of the difference between the registration and drop off rate for live versus virtual? Are they about the same? Is one more than the other?
1: Yeah, because we're playing around with the sort of 40 to 60 percent with live, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. Um, Across the board and that's been the same for 20 odd years um with live it does vary it, it really does vary in terms of what you're offering uh, i mean i'm still yet to find that out actually and um, i think the conversions are less i would say a lot less so again 35 percent on average is conversion for uh, virtual and you talk 50 60 percent for live so yeah live still has a bit of conversion rate from my experience yeah
0: well, and that's a shout out then to anybody who's got any of that research that has done any work on on what that difference is, what that comparison is. Do let us know because <laughs> be...
1: we need some explore to do some work on that for us. Yeah,
0: I think it's really interesting in terms of um, the numbers because uh, what we hear event organisers talk a lot about is kind of quoted registration numbers. So I've got you know we've got hundreds of thousand people registered for this event. The reality is you get twenty five thousand people there it's never the number that event organizers crowd and that's absolutely fine so in terms of objectives do you have any sense of kind of what exhibitors should be thinking about as a metric to actually try and measure what what are the sort of um things that they can measure from a virtual um, trade show to actually set some objectives in the first place
1: i think that's why we do um we do some more detailed things during the day um because i think again like i say managing objectives is really really important but again if they're just on a bit of a data a bit of a data party then there's different ways of doing that but a lot of people do want some kind of real decent leads and they don't want the wastage um so like as i said i do things like you know polls within the session so that they can go away straight away with you know those that are generally straight up keen um who want to be kind of like they want to set up conversations with them straight away, which is great. And, and it gives the sponsor straight away some immediate goodwill feeling because it's all these matches are all about, I felt it went well and I felt it went okay. Um, because that's all you can play on at the moment because we don't really know the right result. Um, and like I say, the conversions are so low. So it is always down to how that sponsor feels at the end of the day. And if you can give them a list from a poll of like 10 people who are straight away really, really interested in what they're doing then that straight away just adds a bit of goodwill. Um, Then they, you know, so it's just, it is just lots of little bit of things. I mean, it is also relevant to what their objectives are. Uh, A lot of the time it is data. Um, Can't measure brand exposure, can you really? Um, It it really is subjective to what they want. Yeah. Um, It really is. Which is
0: the perfect answer because it all comes back. When people say to us, what should I be measuring at an exhibition? It's like, well, what do you want to achieve? I can't give you an answer until you tell me what it is you're hoping to actually get from it. And and the point being, even when you've given those exhibitors or or those partners that data, they have to do something with it. Just getting that data isn't going to get a sale, you then have to know how are you going to follow it up and what your promise plan is and what else um, you're following up with. Have you got any sense, have most of your content that you've shared so far being the webinar kind of presentation or have you done uh, like panels have you done demonstrations have you done kind of introductions to new software have you got any sense what formats work particularly well
1: yeah a bit of a variation actually and panels always oh gosh they love that if you put in a state of the market session at 10am and then you put in a panel discussion talking about the future um then you do a regulatory one um we do, um, obviously, lots of polls within. They're not too many. Um, and then we also have um, some lightning talks, um, which are like 10-minute Ted, TEDx ones. Right. So we call them kind of like technology innovation talks when actually it's just vendors it's talking about what new technology they have. But we mix that in with like a ta- like technology lightning talk kind of package. Yeah. Um, so we do lots of various different things, actually. Um, yeah, I have to say we do lots of variations of things. And i think that's the
0: the advice then to exhibitors is about you know when somebody says do you want to um, participate in this virtual event or even a live event people actually go oh yeah we'll do a 20 minute powerpoint presentation it's like no what could you do differently just challenge your event organizer say i, I want to do something crazy i want to do a um i don't know let's all just get some pizzas ordered in and do a virtual pizza and a, a glass of wine and a chat and you know, think about something a little bit disruptive and a little bit different because it doesn't yeah. always just have to be the, the 20 minutes PowerPoint.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have a exhibitor that does a big, um, you know, hires out the boat at XL and does all the drinks, you know, and, and I think although they, they did um, on one event, not our ones, I'm trying to convince them, um, they sent out gin packs so everyone had a drink afterwards, not many, I mean, it was limited, yeah. but it was brilliant seeing all the social media around people with their little gin, gin, gin and tonic packs they yeah. received in the post um it was it was just wonderful it was really and like little goodies like we have um again we're talking about like everyone loves the free goodies so I'm thinking about setting things up like virtual goodie bags yeah Uh, again just to get the exhibitors involved if they want to give out a free beanie hat or a free notebook or a pen um you know just kind of getting that feeling of kind of a bit of you know something that's a bit different than just just standard webinar yeah Um, absolutely
0: absolutely and I think you know, we've always talked about freebies and do they add value? Do they not add value? And again, it totally depends what you're trying to achieve. It depends what you're... Oh, we got them. (laughs) (laughs) It's my notebook. Not not the cupcakes. I think we've all had enough of cupcakes in this industry. (laughs) um, But it is, you know, sometimes when somebody's got a pen or a ruler or a notebook and it's there on their desk, you do get that longevity and that brand awareness. And it's very easy. You know, your attention to a virtual webinar is different to a face-to-face conversation and you switch off and transition out of a virtual much quicker than you would a live conversation so if you can send something to them afterwards you know those hot leads have a pack ready to send to them then at least you're putting something in their workspace that's got your brand all over it so have you enjoyed this experience of moving things on online and in virtual
1: it's funny going back to my old days put it that way (laughs) um i guess the um we, we haven't we're not using the technology as much as we used to. So we are doing it a very simplified version, whereas before, and people know, you know, you have these really fancy pants technology where they do the SimCity worlds, you create a person and you go in and talk in the expo halls. And there are, again, industries where I think that works incredibly well. That's not something that's gonna work in my industry, so we're not looking into it. Um, but, you know, I have really enjoyed, again, learning the experience of just, converting everything over the one thing i have learned is the global element you know i've been able to just um start learning new industries in different countries mm-hmm. um and, and making new relationships and, and actually trialing out and understanding so my ecosystem in my head now is global it's just not uk based um you know i'm doing one in australia um, one in north america I might do one in scandinavia and with that involves you know kind of making new partnerships and make meeting new people and um That's the part I love, actually. That's like starting my job all over again. Um, And I've really enjoyed that. It's opened up a lot of opportunities, I have to say. And that's one of the big things
0: as a positive that's coming out of virtual is that it just, it grows your audience so much Um, into markets that you would never have got people from Scandinavia or South Africa coming to a UK-based show, but actually you're now getting them online and virtual. And it just, you know, as the world continues to change and we leave Europe, we're gonna need the world more. And that's just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant.
1: And as a rule of thumb, every new launch I do in a different country, the first um, edition is um, we donate all the um, recording money to charity. So the one in oh, South yeah. Africa went like to the solidarity fund. So that went out to a fund that was relevant to the COVID and the health service out there. Um, so again, it just adds good feeling. You, yeah. you look like kind of how serving the community. So then, when you come in with your second edition, where you're a bit more commercial, you're a bit more excused. Um, but to be able to kind of raise, you know, £45,000 for the NHS, I mean, that's that was just phenomenal. Yeah. Did not expect that. Not in the slightest. Absolutely not brilliant. at all. Yeah. And that was lovely for, from the accountancy profession to donate that to the NHS and say, look, this is what we're trying to do to help. Yeah. It. Absolutely. All about
0: building that community and, and collaboration. It's, it's fantastic. So tell me what you have missed most about being on the shop floor in 2020
1: well I had my 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 little baby was four weeks old the last time I went to my event, as you know, I run the London one I go once a year um so i'm literally I've not been in a proper expo hall for two years now because my baby was born before my last one, and I feel sad. I miss my walkie talkie that's like my comfort blanket you know <laughs> that's my moment of truth when that walkie talkie's in my hands you know I just miss I miss having I miss needing the toilet and taking me hours to go there and back because everyone's talking to you. I miss simple little things like that. Yeah. Um, I missed it terribly. But with that comes the, you know, getting comfortable with Zoom calls now. Um, again, the accountants have been doing all this Zoom stuff for years. And I just go, oh, can't I just pick the phone up? Why do I have to put the face on? And now <laughs> I'm used to it. It's quite natural to me now. You know, I'm quite used to doing it all. And, um, you know it saves all the traveling I guess but uh, I'm a very um people person so I I I just cannot wait to get back out there and start seeing all my all my friends and my buddies out there and it's a it's strange what you miss as well I'm even missing having the sore feet
0: from being in heels all day on a theater and uh, walking from house it's like oh yeah that that throb in
1: your feet on a night time with a glass of wine thinking oh that's a good day's work that (laughs) is I'm kind of missing it a little bit i go i go in the morning on the event and i have a bag and i have three pairs of shoes in there it starts going down in levels of feels but things like that i miss you know oh. going in with my bag of shoes yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a oh.
0: but we'll get we will yeah, get we there, will. there we will absolutely we've all just got to believe we'll be back before before too much longer yeah. so we are currently in lockdown mark two. Tell me what ha- is keeping you going during lockdown? Any good habits you're going to keep into the uh, into the post-lockdown world?
1: Anything you've been doing differently? Well, this jar of sweets was keeping me going, as you can see. <laughs> That's, like, That's a huge jar. a big jar. No, joking aside. What's it's been a long going? lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's keeping me going, I mean, obviously, I've got the, um, the, the time to just, um, again, just be really... Um, Kind of I'm having I'm coming up with lots of new ideas more than I've done before I'm having the headspace to really think about the brand and where we want to go what can we do what is doable you know we can't just throw money at technology we haven't got a pot of money right now but how can we serve our communities how can I mean the power of collaboration I'm loving I'm loving all of that so that's what I'm doing I'm just getting on the phone I'm talking to as many people as I can I'm throwing ideas out there that may happen this week they may happen next year. But I just know that I'm planting those seeds so that when the time is right, we can do it. Yeah. And, and just literally just doing what I can to keep Accountex alive and myself and my wonderful team in a job, essentially.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's all any of us can do at the moment. It's kind of one day at a time and just do the best you can for, for the community. Well, it has been fantastic talking to you today. I could sit and 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 talk to you for the rest of the day about stuff. I'm absolutely sure. But um, Zoe, if people want to catch up with you, what is the easiest way for them to connect with you?
1: Oh, I love a LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm the one with the silly surname. So it's Zoe Lacey Cooper. Um, Find me on there. I'm always in the blue blazer. That's my like my branding. I'm the I'm known as the woman in the blue blazer. So my hair colour may change, but my blazer stays the same (laughs) colour. So, um, yeah, just look me up on LinkedIn, um, Zoe Lacey Cooper. um, Great to chat with you. Brilliant. Well, thank you um, so much
0: for speaking, as I say. Good luck with your next event. And we look forward to seeing you back on the show floor next year. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much there to Zoe for her time. I really enjoyed speaking to her. I say that after I talk to every one of our guests, but... Um, hopefully you picked up on the energy in that conversation and we carried on chatting for quite a while after we finished recording and actually the rest of that afternoon kept sending each other emails saying god I feel really inspired today I feel like I've really had chance to to talk to somebody in the industry and things feel a little bit more positive so I am really looking forward to meeting Zoe in her blue jacket on the show floor next year. So next week, we have a bit of an unusual episode coming up uh, actually from a supplier, an engineering company um, who usually work in the exhibitions industry. But John Knight of EF Engineering got in touch with me uh, a couple of months ago, actually, just to say, look, we had a bit of downtime over the summer and we've come up with a solution that we think will help exhibitors feel more safe and visitors feel more safe coming back into the event arena and I think it's really important that we look at some of those solutions as well as just being optimistic there are loads and loads of solutions out there that are helping us all feel safer so I am chatting to John Knight of EF Engineering next week um, about the solution that they have come up with to um, helpfully get uh, exhibitions open more safely. The week after that will be our final episode of the year And what we're wanting to do is do a mashup of our Christmas wishes. So we've got in touch with a number of our previous podcast guests and said, if you want to send us your contributions about your Christmas wish for the industry for 2021 and your Christmas greetings, we're going to put all those together in a compilation episode and share that with you all. So whether you've been on the podcast before or not, if you work in the industry and think you have something to say and you want to wish your peers a very happy Christmas, then please feel free to do it through us. Just get in touch with me via LinkedIn or email and I'll let you know how you can be part of that Exhibitionist compilation episode. So thank you once again for listening. It's been having uh, great having you on the other side of the mic. Um, you can get in touch with us in all the usual ways over on the website www.inspiringexhibitors.com there's also a new blog on the website talking about the two big things that have come out of virtual events which are content and data and what that means for you as an exhibitor and how you can use it to your benefit as you plan for your 2021 campaigns that's it from us for this week we look forward to uh, you joining us again next week and in the meantime happy exhibitioning Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs, and future podcasts that keep you up to date with the latest news and industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about our book, The Exhibitionist Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope to see you on a trade show floor soon.